Hello and welcome. This is a Black Ink Podcast. This is episode number 40. Now, before I get started, I would like to tell you about a little offer that I have on at the moment. It was only launched earlier today, today being Wednesday, the 29th of September, I believe. So if you're on my Instagram, you already know what's going on. And even if you're on my Instagram, you might not fully understand what is going on. So let me elaborate. Let me make it crystal fucking clear for you. So Black Ink now has its own official screen printer, which means a couple things. All of our, well, the majority of our production is now going to be in-house. We're going to do it ourselves. And when I say us and we and our, I mean, like, I'll be doing that production myself. So I'm going to be screen printing as much as I possibly can. Obviously, I'm starting with the easy one color stuff. I'm going to be moving to two color and three color. And as I can do all the fancy shit you can do with screen printing that I don't even know exists yet, I'll be doing it appropriately as I get to that skill level. But... What I'm doing, or what I learned about, um, if you're keeping up to date with that purpose tea, is that I found that it was the one of one that really kind of had some pizzazz about it, even though I sold heaps of the purpose tea once I released it. What I'm doing is I'm releasing the first 20 hand-printed, screen-printed teas as a part of a collection. So basically, they're going to be your same regular old OPT, which is this design here which everyone's familiar with. This is my main design. This is one that I printed the absolute most. And this is the one that I pretty much bought the screen printer for. So I'm going to be hand printing these. And this is actually one that I've already hand printed. This is one of my practice ones. As you can see, I did it on the back of a uh, chalky tee. But I'm going to be doing the first 20 of these myself. They're going to have consecutive... Obviously, I'm going to be doing them myself. They're going to have consecutive print numbers on the inside, which means that if you bought number one, And it's all got to do with the order that they are ordered in. So the first, I think, half a dozen have already been purchased. Basically, if you ordered first, then inside your shirt, there'll be a little one of 20, two of 20, three of 20, and so on. So basically, this is going to be like, you know, it's... I'm, I'm betting on that black ink is going to be something in the future. And even if it isn't, this is like, it's super exciting for me. You know, it's either the first tees that I'm printing myself. And I just kind of want to commemorate them by having them inside of a bit of a limited edition run. And also what it means is like, um, I mean, if you want complete transparency on the reason that I'm doing this, it's because like I've just had the outlay of fucking having a screen printer and all the bits and pieces you need to have a screen printing setup. Um, and I just can't afford to go and buy the stock of blank tees that I need. So this is just kind of an indication of what size tees that I should be buying and how many of them and all the rest. And obviously, like, I'm selling 20 of them, which means I'll be buying 20 tees. But I kind of want to probably purchase around about probably 30 or or 40 tees. And I'm obviously just going to, like, double whatever I get because that's basically telling me who's who's buying what size, you know what I mean? And obviously, this is all the kind of back-end sort of shit that you have to worry about when you're a business because, I mean, I could just go out and buy 100 T-shirts and 100 hoodies, 100 crop tops, 100 crewnecks. But then what sizes do you get them in? What what uh, ratio or what formula do I use to make sure that I don't have fucking 400 small blank T-shirts left over at the end of the day? So this is just me kind of doing the minimum, you know, as I've always talked about on this podcast, is being able to do the minimum amount so I don't have to spend all my money or I don't have to spend all my energy and my time. It's the, the kind of the minimal executable amount that I can do to start this all rolling. And like I fucking absolutely embody to the nth degree, I am in my beginning. These are my first days. You know what I mean? Like I know I'm 40 episodes deep and I know there's heaps of my shirts already running around. Realistically, with how big my goals are, with how big my vision is for what this is going to be, this is still small fry. So I'm doing small fry shit and that's buying what I can afford. So... If you would like to help me with this fucking getting this screen printing thing off the ground and moving, and if you would like a slice of black ink history because you too have the same amount of fucking, uh, what is it, 
the same amount of faith that I have in this business, then this is a time to strike because these shirts are exactly the same cost as what you were paying before they were hand printed. Now they are gonna be hand printed and you can see this is a positive or negative, but they're gonna be full of imperfections. The idea is you're buying one of the first 20 official release prints that this screen printer is gonna have produced by me, right? So they may not be the absolute crispest screen print. And with that said, I mean, from a distance, I did this screen print here there is absolutely nothing wrong with it, but there are certainly a couple imperfections here and there that when you look at it, you go like, ah, oh, I can see this was done by hand, you know? So if you're interested in jumping on that bandwagon, absolutely jump on it and fucking, the, uh, it's at the top, if you go on my webpage right now, it's the very top item you can get on the webpage and it's literally until I sell 20. After that 20, obviously I'm gonna continuously be uh, hand printing them, but it's not gonna have that consecutive number series on the inside of the shirt to verify that it is one of those first 20. So jump on there, fucking, if you're interested, get into it. If you can't figure it out, send me a DM. I'll send you a link. I'll sort you out. But that's basically where I'm at at the moment. Also, I didn't even talk about this. So <clears throat> there'd be one person in the world who fucking knows what this is. That's because he was there when it happened. So let me elaborate on what this is and explain. This is the part of my rear hub on my WR450 that the sprocket screws into. Now, as you can see, it is missing the rest of the fucking motorbike you know what i mean like this really should be kind of in the hub with the sprocket attached to it with the chain going around the sprocket and if you don't know motorbikes i pretty much just spoke a foreign language and, and you're like oh cool so the piece came off the thing which holds it all together right short answer yes and long answer yeah so i'm kind of fucked because now i have to obviously purchase a whole new rear not whole new rear wheel, but essentially a whole new rear wheel for my 450. And by the way, if I've used all the terminology and you literally have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm talking about a fucking dirt bike, right? I'm talking about a motorbike that is purpose built to go on like off-road, all-terrain, sand, mud, the beach or the rest. And on Saturday morning before my housewarming, before fucking everything turned to shit for me, I went for a dirt bike ride with my good friend, uh, you know what, for the sake of the legal things that we do together, I'm just going to say that he's my friend, all right? And I don't mean legal as in, for, illegal as in like, you know, doing drugs or whatever. I mean like, you, we probably do some pretty wild shit on motorbikes that we probably shouldn't, you know what I mean? And we post about it all on the internet. So for the sake of this, I was out with my friend. He also has a, he has a YZ450, which absolutely slaps. Obviously, his is like a 2017 or 2018, so mine's a fucking 2005, man. I swear to God, it's actually six different stolen bikes just all put together. No shit, man. This thing's got a Hyundai XL exhaust hanging off a fucking 450 engine. It makes no sense. And nothing goes together nicely. So I'm super scared that if anything does ever fuck up on this bike, I'm going to be trying to fix things and put things back together that were never made to go back together. When I take the fenders off this thing, there's three different fucking size bolts that hold in the fucking fenders. Like... What the fuck is going on, you know? So anyway, we go out riding on the beach, and man, I fucking, whew, I fucking, um, we're riding on the beach, we're having a fat time, and like, you know, just having fun, going through the dunes, doing little hill climbs and stuff like that. And we're down on the beach, and um, he was actually practicing doing like circle work and stuff on the, on the hard sand. And I thought to myself, I'm like, man, I've got full trust in my bike, but I've got full trust in my bike in a way that like, I purchased it and I've done like a pretty decent sort of service on it and you know like 
when I say decent sort of service, I YouTube how to drop the oil and put new oil in there, and I YouTube how to fucking you know do the air filter and the oil filter and this and that, you know, you know, just little things, you know, you check your bearings and all the rest. But realistically, like I don't know what I'm doing. And in all fucking honesty, besides all the shit that I post online, like I really don't have any idea what's going on when it comes to anything mechanical. Like my length of mechanical knowledge stops at the pre-start. It really does. And anytime that I try and, and like, this is the thing. Anytime you're going to do something half good, you know what? Fuck it, man. We're going to come back to the story. I'm going to make a point right now. Don't fucking have 40 things that you're good at, right? Like I've literally just in, in, been involved in a situation where I had to try and get something off someone that had their finger in too many pies and therefore struggled to help me with the thing that they were trying to help me with, you know? And this is one of those things, I feel like as a guy, it's really easy to accidentally get all of these different hobbies. And not even as a guy, just as a fucking person who wants to have some sort of meaning in their life, some sort of purpose, you know? And the awesome thing is, I feel like there's two sides of the spectrum here. There's people who have no hobbies at all and have no idea what to do. And then there's people who have 15 hobbies and don't do any of them well. And the problem with having 15 hobbies and not doing any of them well is that from the outside point of view, you're just a crazy person with crazy hair who's always like moving things around and making like clean areas in a pile of rubbish. And then I feel like the real fucking like essence of having a hobby is or having something that you give yourself to that you completely understand is, I mean, you know, for the sake of the analogy, I feel like it's a nice clean room with a clean table with the thing that you're doing sitting on the table, whatever it is, you know. So if you're into painting model airplanes, it means that you have a super fucking vast knowledge and skill set that is based around painting painting airplanes. You know what I mean? Like the only thing in that room is the table and the shit that it takes to make airplanes. You don't have a fucking wood lathe. You don't have you know, a a pipe cutter, you don't have fucking this and that and the other, you have just the things for your hobby, right? Because physically speaking, and this is a thing, like there's a few different elements to this. Physically speaking, I feel like if you have a hobby, if you have multiple hobbies, the thing about hobbies is like, you could almost say that this screen printing ordeal is a hobby in itself. And I haven't even started pulling ink into screens just yet. And like, I have given probably six, seven, eight hours to this hobby of just like putting, you know, getting, getting the screen printer crystal clean, making sure that I understand how it all goes together, adjusting all of the bolts backwards and forwards so you see how things move, cleaning all of my inks, creating like a little shelved area. And then also like, right, when I do get under production, I want to have my stock over here. I want to have my workbench here. My workbench needs to be higher and this and that and all the rest. So that later on, if, if I get a year into this, I don't have some stupid little problem that I'm facing every day, like, oh, it'd be hell nice if this workbench was taller, or it'd be nice if at the start I had to figure out all the inks that I have instead of trying to go back and figure it all out, right? So physically, I feel like having too many things going on just means that like no one of the things that you have ever has the full value of what it should mean to you or what you can like get out of it given your interest in the hobby. And then mentally, I feel like when you've got all of these hobbies, like, even the, the the thing about black ink that I found is, and as I've mentioned before, I'm essentially trying to monetize or create some sort of income around the lifestyle that I prefer to live, which means like, I like riding motorbikes. I like being around dirt bikes. I like the idea of creating my own clothes. I like wearing good clothes. And so therefore, you can already see that like my hobbies are starting to have some sort of crossroads with the thing that brings me income. And therefore, I can completely give myself mentally to these hobbies, which means like learning how to screen print isn't necessarily a passion, but right now it is turning into a hobby, which will be an income. If I spend too much time focusing on 
riding push bikes, flying flying kites, fucking girls, doing this, rah, rah. I want to say fucking girls. You know what I mean? It's a fucking figure of speech. I meant Larissa. I meant fucking Larissa. Okay, so it, just chill. I'm not Crystalia right now, but. Ah, and that was a callback from like three episodes ago. So if you're a fan, you actually get what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Let's fucking see what you did there. But if I spread myself too thin mentally, then how the fuck am I going to expect? Like I'm going to still have this screen printer sitting in front of me in three months time and not be any better at it if I spent all my time riding push bikes or, you know, letting myself be taken off, you know, by the scent of something else. And we all know people like this, you know, they've got a fucking... Oh man, I almost like started referencing shit from someone specifically in my life. So let's not do that. But you know someone who's got a full garage full of like a stand-up paddle board and a fucking ping pong table and a pool pool table and like, uh, you know, fill in the blank. They once had a, a, a period of their life where they collected heaps of plants or maybe they collect fucking... I don't know, man. They collect weird shit from the salvos just because, like, they saw one at the salvos once and they bought it. And now every time they see one of those things, they buy them all the time. And that's now, like, part of their identity as a hobby. And at the same time, it's like, let's pretend they're decanters. And, mum, I'm not talking about you. That just kind of came up in my mind while I was saying it. But let's talk about someone who does collect decanters. Side note, my mum collects decanters from the salvos. That's not what this is about. Stick with me. Somebody collects decanters but doesn't drink alcohol. Or perhaps they collect decanters or like never piece together like the the uh, transaction between buying the decanter, cleaning it and filling it up with alcohol, putting it on a steel tray and then putting it on display where you might drink alcohol in your house. Like I just feel like people get too busy in the idea of like seeing one at the salvos and being like, man, glass is pretty, I better buy this, you know? And then they just end up with fucking decanters in their garage for some reason and you're like, but I thought you were a decanter collector and now you're just someone who collects shit in your garage. You know what I mean? And the thing about that is, is like, I feel like you get to a certain point and this might just be me. The thing that I'm learning lately is I interpret most of the things that happen in life wildly differently to the majority of people. And that's why I have these points of view that people want to listen to is because not necessarily that it's correct is that it's interesting. But at the end of the day, I find that if I like, like, give myself to a hobby for 10 minutes and nothing more Then I get years down the track and then look at that decision and feel stupid about it. I feel like I've lost a part of my integrity because I didn't give myself to that thing enough to validate making that decision in the first place. And the thing is, life is long and I feel like, you know, obviously I'm only going to come up with the average of opinions and expressions that are of people that are around my age because that's who I surround myself by. And obviously people who are in my age, let's say 22 to 32, are in the process of finding out who they are because that's what you do when you're in your 20s, right? So you're allowed to pick up these hobbies and you're allowed to drop them just as quick as you pick them up. My point is when you get to the 100th time, you should start to understand that there is a, a repetition of your actions and there is a very similar outcome in that nothing comes from having these hobbies, right? And that's the thing. Like, if you're going to have a hobby, have a hobby. That's all good. But if you bought a stand-up paddleboard three years ago and have used it twice, that doesn't that doesn't even mean you own a stand-up paddleboard anymore. That just means you got some shit in your garage. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean like, oh, yeah, you get like... And this, dude, does anyone like... <clears throat> okay, I'm not going to ask this anyone remember... I remember when I was a kid, people would say things like, you know, oh yeah, I've got a stand-up paddleboard. Yeah, fuck yeah, we take it out on nice days and rah, rah, and all the rest. The majority of people, when they say stuff like that, when you actually dig deeper, they've only taken it out half a dozen times. And those half a dozen times were every week for six weeks when they first bought it. And then when they stopped taking it out, that was just a day they just, it wasn't even like a fucking thing in their head where they're like, now I don't do this anymore. For some reason, the light switch just turned off and then it never got turned back on, you know? 
And that is part of being human. I completely understand that. Dude, I've literally done that with women in the past where you're like, you know what, you're the fucking coolest person ever. Then a week later, you're like, I don't know what the fuck, man. I guess I was just, you know, I thought you were cool in that particular light that I saw you in. And I know it sounds rough that I'm talking about a human as an example, but that is like the fucking nth of the spectrum. So therefore, you can see how someone would lose interest in a stand-up paddleboard if someone can do it over a fucking female. You know what I mean? Right? Now you're with me. Now we're fucking cooking with gas, baby. It only took us 16 minutes to get there. Mm. And this thing is, I find that like, and you, you know what is actually a catalyst of this happening is not moving house. If people don't move house regularly enough, or you're not the sort of person who likes moving all the shit around in your room once a year just to like see what it feels like. The problem is things get pushed to the back of drawers. People and uh, things end up in the back of cabinets and all the rest and they're out of sight, out of mind. So you never think to come back to them. And when you never have to come back to anything, when you are the sort of person who puts something in the, in the garage, actually believing that one day you're kind of going to come back to it, the problem the problem lies in that you don't come back to it. And if you have no reason to go back to that thing, again, you just become like a collector of shit, right? You don't actually have that thing in the back of the cabinet anymore. You have some rubbish that you give some sort of sentimental value to. Even if you see it years down the track and you're like, oh, I haven't done that for a bit, but I don't want to do anything with it. I'd rather just own it and know that I own it. You're just like, you're in a fucking weird like relationship with yourself where the snake is eating its tail, where you're never going to do anything and you're just going to take all this shit with you until you die and then someone else has to do something with it. You know, if you're moving house like once every two years or, you know, you move into a caravan and then you have to move out again or, you know, your fucking rental comes up and all the rest, you get to a point where like you're loading shit into the back of a ute or the back of a truck and you're like, I haven't used this fucking stand-up paddleboard in three years. Why the fuck am I taking it to the new house when it already takes up too much room here and I didn't even use it? You know what I mean? So you end up throwing the cunt out or putting it on the neighbor's lawn or, you know what I mean? You donate it to your fucking whatever it is. And dude, just for the record, I've never had a stand-up paddleboard. You know why? Because I can look at that without having the experience and realize that that is something that even hiring one would be wasting too much money on the hobby. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. And if you don't know what I mean, that just means that you own a stand-up paddleboard. The fuck part about this, I make predictions like shit in this all the time, then I never hear the outcome. And most of the time, I know that I'm fucking right. I'm not right in a bragging way. I'm just right because I think about things and I see them happen. You know what I mean? Like, when, when did you ever think that standing up on a board and paddling around a lake would be a hell fun hobby? And also, unless you live literally next door to that environment, unless you literally live within spitting distance of a lake that is glassy the majority of the year. Do you know how fucking hard it is to find somewhere to use them? And you're like, yeah, no, but you can, no, 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 no. Shut the fuck up, right? Understand that it is extremely hard to regularly find somewhere that you can stand up paddleboard. Okay? Okay. And now that we've got that out of the way, know that I'm right. Because if you're an avid paddleboarder, right? If you're someone who's like, oh yeah, I get out on the board at least three times a week. You're just lying. You're just lying. And that's okay. Just get another hobby, you know? And I don't mean so... Man, how's the fucking, like... I, I completely understand... How am I gonna... How am I gonna fucking put all this into a story, right? You know how things get wild for a little while? Do you remember at primary school when, like, the people, the yo-yo crew would come and they'd put on, like, a wild yo-yo performance doing tricks and shit and then all of a sudden everyone was buying yo-yos and... The thing, you know, everyone would fucking play with yo-yos until yo-yos got banned. And you're like, okay, cool. But was anybody into this before the yo-yo people come? Did anyone own a yo-yo before the yo-yo people come? And if so, how much were you using the yo-yo? And 
following, you know, furthermore, following up from that, like, how long do we expect this yo-yo shit to hang around? And I'm not like this. This is what I this is what I fucking thought when I was a kid. And I'm not saying I was any better than it. I still like said to mum like, "Hey man, you understand my heart's gonna stop beating if I don't own a yo-yo, right?" But the thing is, this replicates itself in real life among adults. You know what I mean? And like, literally, the craziest example is like, you know, one of the boys at work buys a Ute, and then all the boys at work end up buying a new Ute. You know? But let's take like a much more easy and kind of digestible example, I guess, is roller skating. Right now. <laughs> Man, roller skating and fucking uh, riding Harley Davidsons is actually really similar, would you believe, right? Stick with me on this one as well, because like I was about to make an example about some other shit. Now I'm going to make a fucking double down example about some other other shit, right? When I started riding Harleys like 11 years ago, and it's 11 years in two months I started riding Harleys, right? It was still a thing that like if you're a, blo- a young bloke riding a Harley, that meant you're a Darrow. That meant that there was nothing nothing fucking and when i say darrow i mean fucking you know like uh that was a name we gave for people at school that didn't um i don't know how do you explain a darrow someone was a darrow just mean like they grew up in a fucking an average environment i don't know the only reason i'm fucking walking on eggshells is obviously because there's a a, a bikey club named darrow i don't mean that you know what i mean i'm just saying like if you if you rode a harley and you're like if you like, there's a the thing, you know, like all girls and shit wear the little fucking crop cut off vintage Harley tees and all the rest is like, that's cool now. But if like a chick had done that 11 years ago, you know, the same age she I did 11 years ago, wearing a little fucking cut off Harley, Harley top, that mean that you were like a drug dealer's girlfriend. You know what I mean? That meant that it didn't, it, it's not cool like it was now. Like so much so that I've had a Harley belt buckle for the past, like I think I've had a Harley belt buckle almost as long as I've been riding Harleys. And like for the longest time I didn't wear it, just scared that my fucking shirt would come up and someone said I'm wearing a Harley belt buckle and call me a tryhard. You know what I mean? Like it's only been in the past five years that shit's become cool. Roller skating's exactly the same way. You think when I was at school and doing fucking figure skating that people were coming up and asking me to like play basketball with the cool kids at fucking lunchtime because I was a figure skater or a speed skater? Dude, are you fucking serious? And now you've got chicks who literally had no fucking identity that somehow have 100,000 followers on Instagram because they're like putting a post up every day sharing their skating journey. Bitch, what are you doing? What are you doing? For some reason it became cool and now you just fucking everyone's on the bandwagon of like wanting to fucking learn how to roller skate or rollerblade. And like, trust me, if it's not you, your partner's thought about it. It's just one of those things that all of a sudden because everyone's doing it, it's cool again. And again... Out of everyone, like, this is a thing. You look at the graph of people of, like, the amount of roller skates and rollerblades that have been purchased in the past five years, right? And, like, the graph fucking goes up and up and up and up. But at any point, any of those numbers, like, let's say this year there's been X amount of fucking skates and rollerblades sold. There's still, out of all those people buying them, there's still, like, a massive chunk of them. There's only the bit at the top that actually buy them and continuously use them. There's still a massive chunk of them, boom, boom, that those skates got worn half a dozen times and they're still sitting in the shed. And these are the same people who have a kayak sitting in the shed. They have fucking some soccer goals or something sitting in the shed. They're the same person who thought about buying Bitcoin like a year ago. They're the same person who like read the secret and now has a vision board up in their room but doesn't do fucking anything with it in their head mentally. You know what I mean? Like, I know this shit. The human race isn't that fucking wild to figure out, you know? Like, everybody is so 
kind of and it feels like the crazy part to me look at me man i'm just fucking ranting to myself i'm even talking louder than i usually do because i'm like some reason emotionally involved with this but i feel like most people are doing one or two things they're complaining that they have nothing to do and they have no hobbies and they have nothing to give themselves to and they can't like, figure out who they are and all the rest and yet they're the same people who watch so much fucking netflix it's not funny and ask you if you've seen this isn't this, this or you've got the other people who are so busy doing a million things but never doing any one of them they're never busy. They're never in the fucking balls deep end of doing any one of those things. You understand? Like, I feel like it's perfectly fine if you just buy a push bike one day and then just go like, right, I'm gonna just going to ride my push bike every day. Like, I don't care. I Like, it just... And like, obviously, I'm taking a super basic example and making a super basic set of rules, but that's literally what I am talking about. And the whole purpose of what I'm talking about, if I forgot to mention this right at the start, is the beauty of hobbies is to give yourself to it so much that you start to learn about yourself because of the hobby. Like speaking as someone who's done a few things really, really kind of extensively and deeply. I don't even want to go as far as saying well, but I've done a few things in my life so much and focused on what I'm doing and looked for the nuanced skills and the the abilities and the, you know, whatever it is that comes from it. Like I've done a few things where I've actually been so balls deep in them that I would consider myself somewhat of a professional in the area, whether it be speed skating, whether it be truck driving, whether it be running a small business now, you know, and like even my own personal hobbies where it's like freestyle skating, riding my push bike when I was riding fixed gear, riding fixed gear. Like the thing that you get from a hobby is you realize these systems that you're trying to master within your your field of kind of, you know, interest, whether it be cycling, whatever it is, they allow so much self-discovery as they tend to replicate themselves. They seem to be a pattern on repeat. And within that pattern, you just learn that there's obviously more and more and more and more and more to learn. And the more you learn, it's like the more you learn about things, the more structures you have in your mind that help you like, see how things operate, see how processes work, see how things physically maneuver and all the rest. And then you can take those same structures and cross-reference them to other things in your life. And that can be like seeing how parts of cycling are similar to parts of your job or parts of fucking stand-up paddleboarding might be similar to the way you communicate with people, right? And there's all these cross-referenceable things. Then you realize that Oh, the deeper I go into this one thing, instead of trying to, you know, give 10% effort to 10 different things and trying to be good at 10 different things, I'm going to give 100% of my effort to this one thing and just see what fucking happens if I do ride my bike every day for a year. I'm going to find out what happens if I write one page of handwritten writing, whatever comes to my mind every day. I'm going to see what happens after a year. I'm going to see what I've got mentally. I'm going to see what I've got physically. I'm going to see how I feel spiritually from these things. And the thing that you realize, the more you do any one thing, the more you do learn about yourself. And then the more you have to apply to other things should you want to do it. But the thing you find is the deeper that you get into things, the less you want to apply yourself to other things because you get so passionate about the thing that you're in. You know what I mean? For example, I'm so deep into this black ink thing that I'm learning how to fucking screen print. You know what I mean? For the past eight years, I've been telling people why it wouldn't be a good idea for me to screen print. And then as soon as the information and the data is in front of me that it shows like, hey, if we screen print, this means X, Y, and Z for this business. There is nothing else in my mind that becomes important other than learning how to fucking screen print. Right. I need a screen printer. I need to understand how it works. I need t-shirts to print. I need inks. I need this. I need that. I need room. I need money. So then all of a sudden... Everything else becomes irrelevant other than screen printing. Now, ask me two months ago whether I'm going to own a screen printer, know how to screen print, or look into getting a screen printer. The answer is absolutely fucking not, right? Yet here we are. 
That's because I've allowed the passion that I have for Black Ink or for small business or whatever this whole endeavor is to push me to the point where I'm actually excited about something that wasn't on my radar at all. But because it is within that realm of success and productivity and moving forward, then fuck it, I'm here now. Now I'm a screen printer. Look at me, mom. No hands. You know what I mean? So getting back to it, we're down on the beach on our fucking 450. See that? I fucking full circled. You thought I was going to forget and I fucking brought it back, baby. I went on a whole tangent for 20 minutes about having hobbies that mean something and not too many of them. And I still brought it back to the story, right? The piece that came off my motorbike. So we're down on the fucking, we're down on the beach. And I remember thinking to myself, like, it's not that I don't trust this bike. It's that I don't trust the amount of information that I have going into this. Like the, the amount of information that I need, like, this is the thing. If you bring a, you bring a, uh, no, bad example. Let me think. Let me think. Okay. Let's say you bring me a pair of blades, a pair of roller blades, right? I can take those blades apart and I can look at every single part. I can tell you what's, what part is going to fail next or what maybe needs some service or attention or what needs to be replaced or whether it's right to go just as it is. I can do all of that just by looking at it because I've seen thousands of little mishaps and mistakes and things that work and things that don't work in skating that I am adapt to looking for those things and getting that feedback and being able to do something with it. But when it comes to a dirt bike, and this is the thing, even my Harley, I would have so much better of an understanding of that Harley, even though before I said, you know, like mechanically, I don't, I, I put myself in the park of like having absolutely no idea more than I do having even a bit of an idea purely because at the end of the day, I don't, you know, like there are guys out there that, and like the thing about mechanical things, I mean, the division within the mechanic sector is like, you know, heavy duty diesel mechanic or heavy, heavy duty mechanic. And then, you know, like light engines, small engines, you know, four stroke, two stroke, rah, rah. people get so specific about what they know. Like even when it comes to just the difference between like carby mechanics and EFI mechanics, you know, within motorbikes, it's like, People allow their whole life to be about that. So for me to pretend like I know fucking anything because I've done maybe 20 hours of mechanical work my whole life, like, bro, let the fucking grip go a little bit. You know what I mean? So essentially, I'm like thinking, right, this motorbike runs right now, but we're also like, as the crow flies, probably a good 600 meters away from Bitumen Road as the crow flies. Realistically, like, I remember thinking if my bike broke down right here, like it would be easier to get a helicopter to lift it out than it would be to get a fucking car down here to get it on the back of the car. Cause you got to think, what are you going to get on the back of a fucking, it's a 450, like even a flat tray, single cab, something it's like still has to get down to this part of the beach, pick up the bike, blah, blah, blah. Just fucking way too hard. And obviously like when you're thinking this and your bike's still running, it's like, man, it shows how much confidence you've got in your bike. You know what I mean? So anyway, we end up fucking taking off from there. We go up the fucking road. We ended up back on Bitchman. We do some slow, bloody, hard stand stuff where he was practicing wheelies and skids and stoppies and this and that. And then, <laughs> this is a wild part. So I end up fucking, um, we take off. Because mine's a WR, mine is road registrable, even though it's not registered. And it's got a speedo on it. So basically, we're fucking, we're riding along. And like, I always get videos of other people doing cool shit on the motorbikes pretty much because like, for some reason I just have this fucking, you know, natural ornate ability to be, uh, to, to, to like know what looks good on a camera and to be able to capture that thing while I'm in control of my motorbike, which in another way is kind of like its own store, its own skill, because like, I feel like, uh, to be able to do that and like, I'm going to get back to what happened, but to be able to do that on a motorbike, it's interesting because 
you kind of have to have such like a supreme natural reaction to how like how your bike operates and like listening for things and seeing things in the road and also like a lot of times what i like what you have to do on your motorbike is watch the screen of, of like what you're recording on your phone and the thing is like when you're recording on your motorbike you can have no gloves on otherwise you can't operate your phone because it obviously responds to heat so part of the problem is you got to take your gloves off normally you have to record with your left hand because your right hand is the one on the accelerator and as soon as you try to do these ones it turns into a fucking absolute nightmare so you you're writing and recording and typically what what i'll do is like i have to watch the screen and then i do these ones back to the road back to the road back to the road and obviously like you you have to move that part of your body so say he's coming beside you doing a wheelie you have to move that part of your body without moving the bike as well because if you move the bike as well all of a sudden you're riding dead straight down this road now you're riding into the fucking the shoulder and off the road so you have to be able to like kind of naturally be able to move your bike with your hips and all the rest to keep that steering nice and solid and also be able to track some with your phone and like start and stop the video, obviously. And you're doing all of this at what I learned was like, you know, 1900 Ks an hour because like I have that speedo. I've done these things plenty of times before, but I've never been kind of that like receptive of what I'm doing with my speedo. A lot of the times I'm doing this on a Harley as well. And Harleys are kind of, for some reason, easier to do this sort of thing on than a dirt bike. I feel like maybe just because like I've ridden a Harley heaps more than I've ridden a dirt bike, you know? But yeah, I uh, at, literally like at one point, homeboy's doing a wheelie next to me he goes ahead of me and then like brings it down and i bring the phone down i didn't even look down i bring the phone down and it's caught on video like 98 kilometers per hour and this is after we've started slowing down so just fucking bizarre anyway we come up to the end of the road and this is like probably five minutes from where my dad lives my dad had fucked off for the day as well he was going riding or something somewhere he was going on his harley for an overnight trip and usually takes his ute keys with him everywhere. Anyway, so we fucking, like, this is like 30 seconds after, 15 seconds after I fucking recorded that thing. We pull up, we get to the end of the road. It's like a T intersection, but it also turns into like a bush track that you can take off on. Anyway, I've clipped it down to first gear and gone to fucking, you know, put my phone in my pocket or whatever it was and gone to give it a squirt through there. And it's just like, it felt like it slipped from first into neutral. And then I've gone to like put it back into gear or something or like just feel out what's going on before I've even looked and I'm like oh this like something's wrong with my gearbox sure enough fucking mate pulls up alongside me and he's like pointing 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 so I like stop have a look and the fucking chain is where like the chain has come up this the sprocket is hanging off the the sprocket's hanging off the hub like just kind of like hanging on the axle if you can imagine the hub's like blown apart and the chain is like lodged inside the hub so i'd say what's happened is the chain has pulled on the sprocket obviously like applied the tension the sprockets ripped off because all the bolts were probably loose or whatever that's then gone and done whatever it's done like spun like once it's kind of come off that hub there's no reason for the chain to hold on to it unless it kind of got lucky it's then like thrown the sprocket and the chain has, because dirt bike chains are so heavy and they're so long, I'd say the momentum is probably thrown just like a little knuckle in the chain into the hub and then probably pulled it again and torn it out again. And that's how it's just all kind of got torn up in itself. And now I've got a fucked hub and a fucked chain and a fucked sprocket. But the cool part is I fucking, we were trying to figure out instantly like how we're going to get back. Obviously, you know, we're going to need a ute. We're going to need this. We're going to need that. We've got mates with utes, but like they lived a bit further away. I'm thinking, fuck. I wonder if dad, because dad's got this flat flat tray ute, perfect for the job. 
fuck, I wonder if I wonder if the keys are there. So I call him up and he says, yeah, man, keys are there. Come grab it, sort yourself out. Straps in the back, you'll be right. So homeboy gives me his bike to ride back to dad's place, grab the ute, pull up, blah, blah, blah. So I do exactly that. And then uh, as I pull back up, he was holding this up for me. And it's funny, you know, because every time something kind of crazy happens, I always seem to find something that I end up taking with me. And this happened to be the thing that I guess I'm taking with me. If you can see, like, that's the back of where the sprocket obviously fucking the bolt goes through, as you can see. But then if we look at the front, you can see where it's been open right up. That should be a nice round circle hole, but it's not. It's fucking peeled right open to both sides. Mind my nails, they look fucking disgusting because I chew my nails and I'm an absolute animal. It just is what it is. But yeah, I always get something cool, small, significant, iconic of what happened. And this was just the perfect fucking trophy for the morning. So now I'm going to leave it here so that everyone who's ever seen this episode now knows furthermore what it's from. And it's a little bragging point to your friends. You know, one day down the track, you're watching this podcast. It's on the big screen. You're having fun. Your friend comes around and they're like, who's this like, you know, probably seven and a half, eight out of 10 on a good day. And you're like, oh, this is Jake. He owns Black Ink. This is his podcast. And you see that little fucking that little odd little thing that you can't really describe its shape or anything. It doesn't look like it's anything at all, but it definitely is something. And they're like, yeah, I do see that. And then you're like, well, that's actually the story. There's a story about that from when he was riding his dirt bike. And I think he has like a WR450 or something like an 05 model, but it's actually just like half a dozen different bikes put together. So he was riding with his friend who he didn't want to name on the beach one morning. It was actually the morning of his, uh, of it. and you know the rest of the story. You know what I mean? That's my whole point is you know the story and you can tell them. You know, this is such a weird experience, dude. You have to get so like, uh, like I'm so in my own bullshit right now, you know, hoping that this is landing, hoping, you know, number 98 personal journal podcast on iTunes. It doesn't make, you know, it doesn't fucking matter, you know, anyway, but look, this is, uh, this is my podcast, you know, I'm coming up with shit on the fly. I, uh, I definitely have made the distinction between like coming in with any sort of plan and coming in just shooting from the fucking hip. If you come in with any sort of plan, it just gets so squirrely. And I think the best thing that I can do is uh, come in with like an idea of something that's happened, but also just talk, just fucking talk. Because I think the thing about like conversation is if you come into a conversation with like some sort of idea of what you're trying to achieve from that conversation, or you're trying to set it all up so you can ask a question at the end or whatever it might be. The problem is, is the audience can taste it. The person you're having a conversation with can see it in your eyes before you even start talking that you're just, you know, unless you're like a a master communicator, which, fuck, I feel like I'm not surrounded by very many of them. I don't know. I'm trying to just be like, actually, you know what? Let's touch on something. Let's fucking, I've I've got seven minutes to burn here. Let's touch on something that kind of pissed me off. Okay, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to think about what I'm going to say. Because, I don't know, this is a weird thing, right? Let, let me let me footnote this with like, there's a lot of things that happen to me in my life that I try not to, and like since I've had the podcast I'm referencing, I try not to talk about them too specifically. And if I do talk about them, I try not to be too uh, direct or like, I guess specific with the with like who it is or the information or whatever it might be. Primarily because like, I don't want that person to get hurt, right? If I'm like honest, the older I get, the and like I'm confident to say this because it seems to be the older people get, they say this and they mean it. I don't give a fuck about whether or not I'm hurting someone's opinion of me. 
I do care if I say something that hurts their feelings about themselves, right? And this is very fucking basically because I hate it when someone says something about me that makes me question who I am as a person, right? But I'm also conflicted with having this ability to use my head and think about things. And I feel like a lot of times I'm very like, I try not to be emotional based. I try to be logic based and I really try to make sure that I play devil's advocate. And if I'm feeling any particular way to make sure that I play in the other party's point of view, and I really try and defend their point of view before I get too crazy about doubling down on mine. And when it comes to like, when it comes to people having their opinion about things that you're really passionate about, you know, like for example, you might have an opinion about my podcast or you might have an opinion about black ink or you might have an opinion about the fact that I bought a screen printer or whatever it might be. I'm like, I need you to make sure that you've thought about this because I've thought about it so deeply that I like, I'm worried for how this is going to turn out for you if you want to get into it. You know, and like, I'm not saying this, like, I'm not one of those people who like bragged about how tough their dad was at school, you know, like, oh, you wouldn't want to say that my dad will come and beat you up, right? I'm not the sort of person to like, talk about the power or something or like the fucking the power that they've got or the information that they've got behind them and all the rest. But I just feel like when like, when someone who hasn't thought about something says something and they're trying to like really encapsulate a moment with the idea that they might be onto something. Like for the respect that I have for people, if I put you in that position, that means you're about to be butt fucked with information, right? And I feel like the people who have been doing it to me lately, and this is the thing, like I feel like it never really happened before I got black ink back up and going again. I've always been someone with big ideas and who likes to talk and like vocalize these ideas and, you know, have an opinion, but also at the same time, just be like, fuck man, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know, stand up paddleboarding might be fucking awesome. I've never done it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to make a bigger point about something. I use an analogy and an example or something. If you personally related to it, that's more your fault than it is mine. It is what it is. But when people come at me with this, like, so I see you doing this with black ink or like, I see you taking this direction or like, have you considered doing this? And it's like, Hey man, have you considered this is all that I do though? Have you considered that I'd like, if I think about anything else, it's just because I know that thought is going to round up somehow back at black ink and like be some sort of useful. And then past that, if you have a problem with the execution skill that I have within my business, I need you to first make sure that your execution skill in your life is really good. You know, like if you're someone who has 50 hobbies and you're talking to me about my one, you're probably not coming in with, I'm not saying like the same information or the right information. You're just not coming in with fucking anything valid. You know what I mean? Like it's like, you know, fill in the fucking blank, a level one dude speaking to a level 50 boss in a game that has a million levels. It's like, bro, I get that we're very close compared to the million, but realistically we're still 49 fucking levels away from each other. You know, and I'm not saying that you can't have that conversation, but if you do have that conversation, like let's use that analogy, let's play it out. Let's pretend I'm the level 50 person, right? And there's a million levels to this game, but someone level one wants to have an opinion about the whole game itself to me. 100%, 100% have that conversation, have that verbal transaction, 
right? You fucking, you're meant to. And as a level 50, the thing that I aspire to do is talk to people who are level 150 or 200 or 400 or 4,000. You know what I mean? As close to a million as I can get respectfully, right? But the thing that I don't do when I talk to someone at level 100 is tell them my achievements, right? Because they're at level 100. They don't fucking care about what I've done. You know, the only way that they might care about what they've done is if they see a little bit of me in them. And that is something that's meant to be fucking found out over the beautiful course of many conversations or whatever it might be. It's, it's one of those things where if like, if they, if I launch myself with that person being like, so I just brought a screen print and I fucking did it. And I talk at the same rate that I talk in this podcast in the ear for half an hour. At the end of that half an hour, all they do is think, how the fuck do I make sure that I never have a conversation with that person ever again? Right. The thing that I do is try and shut the fuck up and listen when that person's around because that person probably has a little bit more to talk about. And I know what you're thinking, like, Jake, you're putting yourself up on a pedestal. You think so highly of yourself. You think you're so fucking good and all the rest. No, no, no. I just think that I've done something for longer than 10 minutes and I'm learning something from it. And I'm trying to communicate the shit that I'm learning and people are pushing it back at me, you know? And like, I really don't care if you want to, it. like, if you don't want to learn and I'm barking up the wrong tree, that's fine. Fuck off. Go away. I don't care. Don't listen to my podcast. Don't buy my shit. It's all good. There's so many places you can go besides mine that it's literally all good. But if you are here and you are listening and you are going to have that conversation with me, then please show some fucking respect. And that's just about 45 minutes, bitches. Anyway, look, I fucking barked up a couple of the wrong trees this episode. Um, as I said, I'm shooting from the hip. I have these opinions. Does it mean that I fucking have any love lost for any of my friends or whatever it is? Fuck, I don't know anymore. You know what I mean? I don't know. You guys are literally experiencing me, experiencing my life, going through it, talking about it as it happens. I'm trying to be respectful of the people who are involved in my life. They put me in these situations that I do talk about it. But at the end of the day, if I talk about something that you're involved with, it means I had a fucking real opinion about it. And if anything, you might be able to take something away from it. Wow. Wow. I don't know, man. I don't know. As I say, I'm sitting by myself. Talking to myself, hoping that people who are listening to me appreciate what I'm saying. If you're going to try and get one of those one of 20 OP hand printed designs, make sure you get on it quickly because there are only 20 of them. I'm still going to be hand printing them after the fact, but they're not going to have those consecutive print numbers on the inside. So you're not going to be able to verify that you're one of the first 20 bad motherfuckers that got one of those t-shirts. You understand? You want to be a bad motherfucker, don't you? You want to be a bad dude who owns a hand printed tee by Black Ink? Now's your chance. 50 bucks plus shipping. It is what it is. Anyway, I'm going to peel out. Thank you for listening to this 41st episode of the Black Ink Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe and like and follow and all the bullshit on all the social media so that one day I can be filthy rich. Anyway, bitches, I'm out. Enjoy your day. Yee-hoo!